You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Brett Blankner with Zen and the Art of Triathlon. We've got a great episode for you today. We do the Iron Baby 10th Annual Self-Supported Ironman, and we are glad to have you along. Phil and I go and knock out a full Ironman by ourselves. (laughs) Oh, self-supported. Oh, not totally by ourselves. We had lots of family and friends around. It was just a total blast. I do it every year, and... I got a little bit of audio from that and a whole lot of detail on how to do an Ironman and actually some breakthrough stuff to tell you about polarized training and nutrition and hydration and all kinds of neat stuff. That'll be in the training log. And then also I have uh, some emails with a couple of training questions in them that we need to get to and then a couple of special announcements of stuff that's coming up. Uh, One that I think you, well, both you might be really interested in. So before we do any of that, I think we ought to go ahead and knock out some triathlon news. Here we go. All right. The latest out there on the triathlon circuit is Ironman Arizona. I'm recording this uh, Sunday evening, and it looks like Brent McMahon won the male division. And this is really interesting. He beat out the likes of uh, Jordan Rapp and a whole lot of experienced pro field and he's from the ITU circuit, and I think this is his first ever Ironman. So it just goes to show you that um, being strong and fast and having top-end speed is really important. I've been talking a lot about that lately, and then you just need to learn a little bit of how to stretch it out. But that power and speed is what translates into being able to go all day. And then Meredith Kessler won the women's division. So that's pretty cool. I was on the uh, the Real Starkey show, and <laughs> it was a video with me and a few other guys on there uh, analyzing all the people that wanted to uh, get drafted onto the Real Starkey's triathlon team. And it was actually quite a bit of fun. It's a, it's a whole lot of silliness. And uh, I tried to play it uh, No, I was smiling a lot (laughs) and laughing, but I tried to play it uh, seriously and uh, stone-faced or whatever, I don't know what we call it. But anyway, it was a really, really good time, and I was honored to be asked. Uh, My angle on the whole thing, I know know Starkey is out there just to cause trouble, the real Starkey, to cause trouble. Uh, My angle, if you can tell, is that... um, Or the reason I engage with the whole Starkey madness is that... um, triathlon, as soon as I started doing it, I started realizing um, how self-centered triathletes can be. And this uh, goal is uh, extremely selfish, taking time away from those that need you around you. So uh, we need to be made fun of for how um, crazy we get. So that way we kind of rein it in sometimes. So go check it out. You can probably tell from my comments that that's how I feel about this kind of stuff. But, um, but you, I like to say that you use triathlon uh, for self-improvement. Just don't stomp all over everybody else while you're doing it. All right, uh, let's see. We have the doping in Germany news. All right, so 
Germany is about to pass a law, if they haven't already, saying that if you get busted for doping and sport in Germany, you can now go to jail. And I love this. And also, it applies not only to Germans, but also to visiting athletes. And I think this is good stuff. I think they've just had enough of all the doping in sport, and you need to scare some people into being straight. And then also, we have, well, we have a bunch of triathlon stuff stuff going on down under in Australia, and because it's their summer down there. And then Smith Helmets. Smith, who makes sunglasses and such, uh, has a helmet now that is actually really pretty. I should try to get a link of that online. Uh, I retweeted the article about it, and um, they have a women's uh, um, helmet that actually has a ponytail slot in it, which I thought was pretty cool. It's actually a really pretty color combination. So for you ladies out there that are uh, looking for a nice, cool helmet, um, this one looks pretty neat. All right. Uh, after we listen to all the Iron Baby stuff, you're going to hear me start talking about the Ultra Baby. So I've been doing the Iron Baby for 10 years, and I've done, I don't know, 13, maybe 14 now Iron Man's total. And I've been inspired for many years to try Ultraman. And it's kind of like a double, maybe a double and a half uh, Ironman, but it's a stage race. It's over three days. And it's... um. It's something that a lot of the people that I really look up to in the sport have done, and I want to test myself doing it. Uh, the thing is, is that they're really expensive to go do. Uh, you have to get there, and most of them are in, uh, the, one, the big one is in Hawaii, or in Canada, or in Florida, and um, those are all really expensive for me to get to here from Texas. And then you got a supply crew and all that other stuff. And um, triathlon really, when you get down to it, it really is exercising. <laughs> There's a eastbound and down uh, episode where the lead character says, no, I play baseball. I play real sports. I don't go out there and try to see who's the best at exercising because the other guy he's talking to is, a, uh, is bragging about being a triathlete. And you're just swimming, biking, and running, you know, so... Uh, why not try to do it on your own? And with all respect to Ultraman and not trying to take anything away from him, I kind of want to do it on my own so that I can see that if I ever wanted to do the full one, what it would actually be like, right? My first ever Ironman was self-supported. I did two of them before I ever did an Ironman brand one. And uh, the two I did self-supported were harder, <laughs> even though it was the same distance. And uh, let's see, the... Um, so I've got a good history of putting on uh, Ironmans and having friends come and go do it with me. So I've got it down really well. So next year, we're going to do an Ultraman-inspired uh, race. It's not even a race. It's just uh, you know three days. And uh, we're going to call it the Ultra Baby. And it's for people that want to you know uh, give a try at doing the Ultraman distance that think they might have it. And also... We'll have it open to people doing um, just parts of it if they want. If they, It's a swim and a long bike ride on day one, and then a really long bike ride, like 170-something miles on day two, and then a double marathon on day three. And you get to sleep and recover at night and then keep going. And then if, um, if you want to come do 
you know, just the bike ride on the second day, or you want to try a double marathon or see how far you can go in a double marathon, they have a cutoff of 12 hours. And uh, we're going to try to go with the spirit of that and see if we can do it. Uh, There is no entry fee, but there is going to be, oh, like I was saying, you can come do um, parts of it. You can try to do the whole thing. You can try to do two days. You can say, I'm going to try to go as long as I can. Um, You do need to bring a crew with you, but I'm going to plan it for the third weekend in October. And I've already looked at the Texas A&M football schedule and it's either an away game or a bye week, which means they don't play a game. So there'll be tons of hotel space and the roads around here are just fantastic for cycling and it'll be a great time of year. It'll be, it'll still be, it's Texas and it's rolling terrain. So it can be very, very challenging, which will be fun, but it won't be impossible. And we will have belt buckles. <laughs> so what we, the people that want to do it, uh, we'll pitch in together and get belt buckles made so that you get an ultra baby with a symbol of Texas on the front of it, I think. Uh, belt buckle, which will be really cool. And you can wear it all the time because that's in the spirit of ultra marathons, 100 milers. You finish a 100 miler, you get a belt buckle. And this will be about that hard. So yeah, belt buckles and t-shirts, but that's about it. And whatever it costs to make those is what will do it. So uh, as far as providing your own crew, that's because uh, we can get kayaks here, but then you need to put somebody to go with you in the kayak to paddle next to you and hand you food, and we'll do an open water swim at Lake Bryan, which was just awesome when we did the Iron Baby. And then um, on the car ride, you can bike with, you can't be you know drafting off of the car. Your car has to pass you and then get up to an intersection way ahead of you, and then you tell them what you want, and they hand it to you, and then you go on that way. And that's what they do in the real Ultraman. So um, I figure we can do that too. And uh, so you need somebody with a car. And, you know, let's say you fly in to come do this, which would be great. And you um, rent a car and put a friend in it. And that's fine by me. And then uh, the last day is a double marathon, which is actually really easy to crew. You just have somebody ride a bicycle next to you or something like that. And so we're going to do really low key. I, I think for the real Ultraman, they charge like $1,000, $1,500 or something like that. So this will be totally free. And you can save your money and go buy some gear or something like that. And then you can say that you've done the distance of an Ultra Baby. Oh, and the other thing is we're going to make the distances just the tiniest bit longer than an Ultraman. So, um, you know, like a, a tenth of a mile here and a quarter of a mile there. And then you'll actually have gone just a little bit farther when somebody says, well, was it the real Ultraman? And you go, no, but we went farther. <laughs> just a little bit, but just to prove that uh, you could do it. And then you'll know for the rest of your life that you could do an Ultraman. And then if you like it, then you can start working towards doing the real one in Hawaii, Florida, or Canada. And hopefully they'll have a real one here in Texas someday, and I'd sign up for that. But anyway, yeah, 10 years of doing the Iron Baby. We've got this down. Uh, we've never had any kind of problems out on the race course, and uh, we would love to have you there. And we'll talk about that more towards the uh, end of the show. And yeah, 
Yeah, and and uh, while we're planning it out, you know, I'll be really accessible and talk with you about our whole schedule. And actually, we can schedule things around the people that want to participate. I think once we start getting around ten people, that ought to be enough. So let me know early. I think we already have about four or five that are in big time. And so there's slots running out. And we have Texas Devin, who's actually crewed at Ultraman before. And I've invited Rich Roll. And I'm going to invite Hillary Biscay. And we'll see what they say. That'll be cool. All right. So before we get into the Iron Baby review, let's give a shout out to a sponsor. Let's see. Oh, Amphibian. Let me let me pull it up. Let me get it right. Amphibian Multisport. I almost said Amphibian Bike Shop. Amphibian Multisport in Libertyville, Illinois, up there in Chicago. It's starting to get cold up there. And if you are in the Chicago area and you want to get in some kick-ass training, go over to Amphibian Multisport. I Really, really recommend getting involved with them. They have a big club. They have training rooms. They have an indoor pool. You can really knock it out up there in those cold winter months. Remember, triathlon is a winter sport that plays out in summer. Everybody that's actually good at this stuff, they get started in the winter. They get started sooner rather than later, and they make a habit out of it. So go by there and get your, oh man, I bet you they're having a big sale on wetsuits and all kinds of good stuff. I need to find out before I say what they're doing. (laughs) Maybe we can get a discount code going. And yeah, Vivian Multisport. Thank you so much. Um, They're a supporter of the show. And um, anybody that supports Zentri, you know they're cool. So you ought to spend your money there instead of somewhere else. All right, let's get back to the show uh, let's see. Let's start talking about the Iron Baby. So we got audio from that too. It's going to be cool. Post-race thoughts. Um, it ended up taking me uh, just under 13 hours. I had, a, I had a flat tire on the bike, which I'll talk about in a second. And I was in no real rush because I wasn't really racing anybody. Um, so, and then I got uh, sick on eating too much fuel and not drinking enough water, a co- combination of the two. Um, and we're going to talk more about that. That's going to be coming in future episodes. About I've already started working on that. And it seems to be my last um, holdout on um, things to, to fix to someday hopefully do a 10-hour Ironman on paper. Um, if there, there's formulas online where you can calculate how fast you should be based on your shorter distance stuff. And on paper, I am just barely under a 10-hour Ironman, but I keep messing up my nutrition and hydration on the long-distance stuff. And um, so it's I finished this race feeling completely not sore. <laughs> it was bizarre and um, really good, except for I was sick to my stomach. And, um, that's a a really good sign that the training is perfect, perfect to do an entire Ironman in, uh, under 13 hours and then, um, not be sore hardly at all is a, uh, is means that you could have gone a whole lot faster. Your body was capable of doing a lot more and you just, um, you, uh, and I was going faster up until the five hour run or however long it took me to do the run and, uh, the run walk because I was just sick to my stomach and I didn't I didn't want to push myself to the point of puking so I just ran walked it and then uh, walked it in and then uh, yeah so the polarized training is working big time 
And you know what? Well, when are we going to play the audio? Oh, while we're while we're here, we should uh, interject a little bit of audio from the race. This is <laughs> um, before. I think we got a little bit before the race, and then um, after that, we have. Uh, one portion on the run, you can hear the excuses start to come on as my uh, as my stomach starts to hurt. It's funny, all the different excuses. And then I think as I'm crossing the finish line, I have a little bit of audio of uh, what it's like crossing an Ironman finish line with your family and friends right there. Uh, Ironman-like. <laughs> Not an actual Ironman, but Ironman, Ironman simulator out there with all your family and friends. And... Um, and with Kai by my side, which was really cool. So here we go. <laughs> you hear that lady laughing? All right, I'm here with King of Pain. Hey, everybody. How you doing? How, wait. <laughs> Every time I talk, I hand the mic to you. And then, Okay, so how's it going? Really great. There we go. So we are hanging outside of the New Republic Brewery. They got a live band, which you just heard kick off. They got an Airstream trailer also outside with uh, Christmas lights on it. And it's live band. Kids' night at a brewery, <laughs> and um, we just had some of their double IPA, which is outstanding. That's your first IPA. Yeah, it was very uh, different and nice. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, the and kids love it. <laughs> the kids love it. Double <laughs> New Republic Brewery <laughs> double IPA. The kids love it. Anyway, um, we just finished the marking the bike course, and they are the turnaround point on the out and back that we're going to do three times, and. They're going to set out stuff for us tomorrow, so a big shout-out for New Republic Brewery. Woohoo! And I don't know if it's illegal or not, but they gave us a beer. Thank you. No, I paid for it, bro. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, we are going to drive past the live band. As we head back out on the course, we're going to drive it back to make sure. There's one place we want to double-check to make sure that we've got it um, marked right. And the live band is going to... Go. We're going to drive by right now. All right. So, if you want to do the Iron Baby in the future, we have a brewery as a sponsor, and they are serious. Yes, serious. <laughs> the owner... I was talking to him earlier today, and he was all about, man, you need to promote this more next year. We can do more with the brewery. We can get it on. And also, he ran a 10K this morning and got seventh in his age group. And he's only run twice in the past year. <laughs> so, they are in, and there's a tri bike, a 1990 Trek tri bike, which looks like hell. It's up on the wall in the rafters. So, that's pretty cool, eh? The guy with the pink beard loves it. Yeah. I loved it. So, what's, uh, what, how are you feeling about tomorrow, man? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I'm feeling really great right now, actually. Um, well, you haven't eaten much, and that beer's kind of strong. <laughs> I'm, ready for, uh, I'm ready for the race. It's going to be cold in the morning. I think the water's going to feel really nice, though, and warm, warmer than the air. And uh, then we're going to hit the bike, and uh, oh, I think it's going right, to be nice. Yeah, the, the water is going to feel warmer than the air at first. It will. It's going to be a treat. Yeah. So, I think this course is super flat. And you came from Houston, right? Just one neighborhood south of where I grew up. And you think this is not hilly, but you notice 
I noticed the elevation difference uh, in in Houston, uh, Huffman, Crosby, Atascocita area. It is pancake flat. It's beautifully flat. And uh, I don't understand hills. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that you fear them. You don't even understand why. <laughs> what is happening yeah. to the land? Did you, did you always grow up around that area? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, everywhere I've ever been in my life. I mean, I, I was raised closer to Beaumont, but it's the same thing. Everything is very flat down there. It's more, yeah. you know, getting along the coast and everything. I guess it's all where you're from because I grew up in the, the Appalachian, like, Smoky Mountain area. And I hate flat. I don't, I don't understand that. It drives me crazy living where it's not flat. All right, so we got, we got to mark this uh, course right here. No, wait, there it is. There it is. There's our marking. Yeah, this is one. We hit this, this is one, one right here. All right. And we, so, yeah, we're driving the course backwards back to the house. The sun is going down. We are amped for tomorrow. You're going to oh, go yeah. back to – you're staying at a hotel this time. Yes, we are. And um, you're going to go back to your hotel room and – uh, get your bike ready and your stuff ready, right? Absolutely. Uh, I'm practically ready. I'm just going to go over a few finer points of my nutritional uh, breakdown gear, everything. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty much set, ready to go. All right. I'm not at all. <laughs> and I got to get my crap straight. So I'm going to get off the mic so I can focus. And literally, the sun is going down and we can't see the road anymore. And we got to make sure that these markings are good. And this is the first time we've done the Iron Baby in this area of town. Look at that marking, dude. Look at that. Look at that. Beautiful. Oh, that is hot. I'm going to turn left right there. And um, this is a beautiful course, man. It is. This is really, really pretty. Scenic. Yeah. It's just quiet, nice, um, except for the freeway parts. <laughs> oh, I see it here. And a unicorn. And awesome. a unicorn. I must be on mile 110. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, back out. And uh, good luck to you tomorrow, man. All right. Thank you. Good luck to you. All right. We are on the Iron Baby Run. We're almost halfway done. And I got somebody running with me. It's Kai. What's up, dude? What's up? You were asking me how long is the marathon part. How long was it? Um, 27. 26.2? Yeah. Say it so you remember it. 26.2. There you go. If you say things out loud, it helps you remember them better. And a whole Iron Man, do you remember what that is? What's on the back of my car? 140.6. So, I'm feeling sick on the run. I started feeling sick after about six miles. And it's just barely. So... I'm, I'm annoyed, and I wish it wasn't happening. I had a flat tire on the bike at 110 miles. <laughs> I was actually in a good mood then. On the bike for a while, um, I started running out of energy and having to pee all the time. And that's from not drinking enough water to digest the fuel. But then after a while, I just drank water and then came back online. How much coffee did you drink this morning? Two cups. Kai's checking my coffee intake. Yeah, because it makes you pee all the time. Oh, that's different, though. And then... Let's see. So doing the run, I started off feeling okay. Then started feeling sick. So I can't run very far without feeling sick. But we got lots of time. We're halfway done. And it's still plenty of daylight.
So. I'll definitely be finishing in the dark though. I'm not feeling good. So no fuel and only water. And here, let's jog a little bit. Jog to the next little hill thing. And what you should do is slow down and walk until your food settles. You'll actually be faster in the end unless you're like really close to the finish line. So, and just drink water. So that's what I'm trying to do. It's really nice having you out here, Kai. Yeah. Kai, this is his second lap with me, three miles each. And he rode one on his scooter. How was the scooter lap? Um, smoother. Yeah? Yeah. You look good, dude. Thank you. All right. More later. Oh, there's beer back at the aid station at the house. Art tried to give me some. Bad art. No. Anyway. Oh, let me see. What? Also, the excuses begin now. So, let's see. What reasons go through my head? I didn't do very much run training at all. I did um, lots and lots of bike intervals. And actually, this was the easiest Ironman I've ever done. I've never done one and gone, oh, it's over already? So, that was nice. Uh, the open water swim. Super cool, dude. How was that open water swim? Cool. It was really cold. It was cold, wasn't it? Yeah. There was fog across the lake. It was so awesome. We had kayaks. I had three kayaks and two swimmers. So we had more kayaks than swimmers. And then, um, what else? The bike ride from the lake to my house was gorgeous. That was pretty, wasn't it? Like Not much traffic. No, no. Did you see the bison on the yeah. buffalo ranch? Yeah. What'd they look like? Uh, did your Did your Choctaw blood start boiling and you want to go spear one or shoot one with an arrow? Yep. <sighs> Anyway, so it's a beautiful, beautiful day. I'm having a good time, except I'm frustrated. But Iron Man, I was really pleased with my nutrition on the bike after I figured out what was going on. But I'm not pleased about my nutrition right now. But the excuses are I haven't really trained for an Iron Man. <laughs> I trained for a half. And so now I'm just out cruising and walking. So, it's nice walking with you, man. This made it a whole lot better. Uh-huh. What are you going to do after this? Can you get some pizza? Yeah. Oh, Phil, is um, he's behind me one lap on the bike. No, I beat him by half a lap on the bike. Anyway, so he's well behind me on the run, but he may pass us. He didn't train for an Ironman either. <laughs> We're doing this for charity, man. So, there's our blue arrow on the ground. I had more fun marking the course and getting a beer last night at the brewery than anything else. Oh, and we used um, orange duct tape as the uh, as the marking tape on the ground and cut cut it. You know, I put strips on the ground in the shape of arrows. Wow, does that work? 
worked really, really well. So I highly recommend that. And then I need to go out tomorrow and go pick them up so we're not littering. But next year, if you want to come do this, Kai. Lake Swim, man. Really nice lake, too. All right, that's it. Out, bang. All right. I'm here with Kai. How's it going? Good. And we're about to finish. I just started feeling so sick. I felt great, actually, again, for a little while. and was running along pretty good. And then all of a sudden, I started feeling sick again, even without eating anything. So I decided I'm... I mean, I would run if I could, but I just don't want to throw up. So I've been uh, running, run walking, and I've gotten to the point where even walking too hard will make me kind of lightheaded and sick. What happens is, is you run out of calories because you're sick, so you can't eat. So you're totally running on fumes, and you start getting lightheaded. you got no energy. But we were one block away from the finish line. Kai went and did the last lap with me, so that's two laps running, six miles, and two laps scooter. And it's dark. Kai's got a headlamp on. I'm showing a lot of restraint by not taking that scooter and riding it around. Dad, I'll let you do it when you get across the Car back. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try to run across the finish line without throwing up. But anyway, I decided once PR's out the window, it's just enjoy it and have a nice time. At times, on the, up until the run, most of the time up until the run, having a really good time. Run's frustrating, but I'm all right with it. So I'm going to finish just over 13 hours, I think. And there's lots of fun stuff on the bike, like changing a flat and... And um, what was the other thing? Um, having to stop at aid stations uh, eats up a lot of time, too. So we're about to cross the finish line. We're going to start running here in a second. I'm trying to save my energy so I can run. <laughs> Thanks for going the last lap with me, Kai. That was nice. Thanks for going the last lap with me. I told him it was really special. It's the 10th anniversary of the race. He's why we do it. It's all because of him. The first time I ever did it, he was four pounds. And now he's a big old triathlete. I heard, just heard Emily scream. Okay, let's go. We're going to run across this finish line. Well, hopefully. Unless I puke. Then we're going to puke across the finish line, Kai. No, don't. Kai, Kai, don't. Here we go. Looks like... Oh, it's a little Emily. Kai's friend. Oh, there's finisher's tape. Look at that. I have to break through it. Yeah. I'm worried it'll knock me down.
Thank God. <sighs> Holy crap. Alright, I want to go in and eat some pizza. Wait, let's get a picture really fast before you do that. Hold on. Let me try not to puke for a second. So the uh, the other thing is polarized training has so much rest built into it that I had no post Ironman blues. Um, usually, what what happens is there's a psychological condition with people that finish an Ironman. There was so much work being poured into it, and so much um, time and build up an exhaustion that when it's over, they get into a depression. I've had it uh, many times before. And um, this time I went into the race and uh, felt fine. And, and um, when I was done, and I've been done for a week now, a week and change, and yeah, nothing. Like, uh, I'm excited about doing more. And, um, but then I, I also didn't get back into training too fast or anything like that. And, uh, the polarized stuff is just pure gold, people, pure gold. And by the way, I'm a coach, as <laughs> so you might've figured out. And if you want me to coach you in the polarized method, I've trained less for this race than I ever have for any other Ironman. And I finished feeling less sore and more well-rested and happier and more like I know exactly what I've got left to work on than ever before. And um, yeah, I can work with you too. It's really good stuff. And I coach through training peaks and all that. Uh, you just have to send me an email at texafornia at gmail.com. Okay, let's see. Uh, the Thursday after the race, I went. I was just bored after the race. Like the race was on Sunday and then on Wednesday, I think I went for a swim. And then on Thursday, I went for a run because I was just kind of bored and I did, um, and I felt fine. And wasn't, you know, usually it takes like two weeks or something to recover from an Ironman. And I ended up on the treadmill and doing intervals at a 10% grade. And I wasn't sore at all. Our friend, our pro triathlete, John Hirsch, tweeted back. He's like, oh my God, dude, that's got to be so painful. And I said, no, I'm not sore. It's, it, it would be. I understand it would be painful if I was sore, but I'm not sore. <laughs> it's really weird. So again, the polarized is really good. I highly recommend it. Um, all right, on the bike and the run, we had the same aid station over and over and over again. It's my house. It's the driveway, and you mark with chalk every time you come swinging through so you can keep track of things. It's four loops on the bike and um, three loops on the run. Actually, the first loop on the bike isn't a loop. It's from the lake to my house first. And um, the bonus is if you ever do an Ironman on your own, um, the bonuses of using your house as the aid station is, or having your own aid station is starting on the third loop on the bike, I put on some sunscreen and then starting on the run, I was able to put on more sunscreen. I was able to come to a complete stop and put on sunscreen appropriately without, uh, you know, trying to, f I almost wrecked my bike several times uh, putting on sunscreen in the middle of Ironman, Texas, you know, at 20 miles an hour and trying to hold on handlebars at the same time. And then, uh, oh, you can stop and take pictures with your family and friends because right in the middle of the bike ride, because here they are, they're, they're in your driveway. <laughs> it's really cool. Oh, and you can listen to headphones. Um, 
But uh, taking pictures with family and friends is really freaking cool. And I've got lots of pictures of me right in the middle of an Ironman with Kai and Emily and kids and, and people down the street. Uh, we have a beer sponsor, New Republic Brewery, New Republic Ale um, here in College Station. And they're a microbrew craft beer uh, company that's doing really well. And they set up the, um, the beer uh, you know, pony pony kegs with the beer pull stuff right in front of the house, and we had um, neighbors and friends coming out uh, and swinging by and drinking beer, and that was really cool. So big thanks to New Republic Brewery. We're gonna have a lot more with them. They want to sponsor the Ultra Baby next year, and again, they've been a sponsor of the Iron Baby for um, years now, and uh, we're gonna start playing into their hands earlier. Oh, and by the way. Um, I already talked to another guy who's a runner who wants he he owns a investment company and uh, they've got some investment cash that they want to dump into the Ultra Baby as prize money. So we're gonna have to figure out if we're gonna do um, we're gonna sink the money into the belt buckles or if we're gonna do a prize like three hundred dollars for first place, one hundred and fifty for second, and like fifty bucks for third. Something like that, uh, that or the belt buckles and T-shirts. So we'll have to talk with the group and see what we want to do. So let me know. And then, um, yeah, the headphones thing. So I was listening to podcasts while I was the entire bike portion of the race. It was really nice. And it made the time go by. And the bike course was just really pretty. And um, we made it with lots of turns and different uh, pavement surfaces and hills and no hills and, and uh, smooth roads and windy single lane country, country roads, a lot of it past horse farms and stuff. And uh, it the, made the time go by really, really fast. And that was really cool. And then on the run, I listened to headphones off and on, but I had um, fans <laughs> and uh, friends actually doing the run with loops with me every once in a while. So I listened to headphones about a third of it. The rest of the time I was talking to people and jogging along. And um, there's this one lady that is local, uh, single mom that's actually looking for a triathlete to date. And she's really, really cute. And she's 39 years old. She's really pretty. And uh, let me know <laughs> if you're interested. Um, college station local, uh, lived all over. And she was so, she's done maybe a sprint in an Olympic or something like that, but she was just, thought it was so cool to be running with Ironman uh, racers, and uh, so she ran with me and ran with Phil, and that was pretty cool. Uh, two laps with me, I think. Kai ran two laps with me. He's the reason I do the Iron Baby. He, um, I do it, the Iron Baby, every year because when he was born, I missed uh, the ability uh, to go do my first Ironman because he was born so preemie. And then I got really frustrated because as a dad, you really can't do anything with the preemie. Um, he's in the hospital for two months, and I was trained for an Ironman. And uh, one weekend, while I was just, um, going out of my mind at the house by myself, I just went out and did my first ever Ironman on my own out of my house. And it was really emotional. And I was trying to show what I would do if... Um, how hard I would try if somebody would actually ask me to do something physical, to, if I could do something, if I could fight the demon, you know, that's keeping my son in the hospital, then this is how hard I would fight. 
and and I would win, and um, and I did. I went out and did an Ironman, and just to show how much I cared and how much I loved him, and um, and then so the next year, somebody said, "Hey, you gonna do that again?" And because I, I live blogged it on Blogspot through a mobile phone when I was doing it, and um, I said, "Yeah, you know what? I think." I think I will. And so I did it the next year. And then the third year, um, I did Ironman Wisconsin. And then from every year on since, I've done the Iron Baby again. And um, so that's the whole thing. And now Kai's 10 years old. And it was so cool. He ran six miles of this thing with me. He ran one three-mile loop. The run is nine laps of about three miles. And he, um, he ran one with me. And then he rode one on his scooter. And then he ran another one with me later on, and then he rode another one on his scooter. Oh, he did the very last lap with me on his scooter, and um, I was telling him it was dark, and we were running together, and I said, man, this is really, really special that you're out here with me. Um, It means a lot to me, and I'm doing this because I started doing this for you, and it means just how far we both have come, uh, especially you, (laughs) with uh, now being 10 years old, and... um, you were four pounds whenever uh, you were born when I first did this and uh, actually on these same sidewalks uh, same neighborhood and you were four pounds and uh, and now oh and you know on a breather and um, all kinds of alarm systems all over him he kept uh, his heart kept stopping and stuff like that and uh, nurses just surrounding him all the time and then now you're um, uh, you know, knocking out six miles in a day running. And then, um, he just played a soccer game the other day and got MVP for the year of a soccer team. So that's, uh, a lot of work that's gone into him, uh, being okay. And also that, that he put in, in himself. So anyway, that's the whole story about the iron baby. So it was really emotional, like having him on the very last lap with me and liking it and enjoying it and having a good time. And, Let's see, um, I'd like to give a, uh, oh, so you can run with friends and stuff like that during the Iron Baby and at the Ultra Baby next year, and I don't really consider it pacing. Uh, it's not, <laughs> It's not. Uh, if you were drafting, that'd be one thing, but pacing, I'm not that really interested in being a problem. And then um, uh, we had a lot of friends on kayaks. I had three people out on kayaks with us, so a big shout out to Marie and her husband, Art, and Jesse. Uh, out there uh, doing kayak support. Jesse was my guy, and uh, <laughs> the lake got a little bit of fog over it as we were swimming. It's so beautiful. We got pictures on the website of the swim. And this is our first year of doing the Iron Baby. We've always done it in a, the swim portion in a pool and then driven to my house and then started the bike ride. But I worked really hard this year on organizing it so that we could do it from a lake, do the swim in a lake, and it just happens to be exactly 2.4 miles if you swim across the lake and then turn around and swim back. And it, uh, it was really, really cool. But I'm following Jesse, and in the fog, um, <laughs> like I, I didn't lose him, but I'm like, he would go off to the side so that he was thinking he was giving me a clear path to swim. And then I'd start following him, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Get back in front of me so I can follow. I can't see where I'm going. Because my goggles are getting a little bit old and they, they're not as clear as they once were, and uh, and so like and plus the fog, you know, and then the waves and stuff. Um, but anyway, it was a beautiful swim. The water was probably about sixty-seven degrees. Wetsuit swim, full wetsuit by uh, two times you. And then uh, I got out of the water in an hour and 
two minutes, I think it was. I just swam really casual. Um, if I swim hard, I can do a sub one hour, but I figure it's not really worth it. I was going to try just going at a nice relaxed pace so I can digest all the calories that I'm going to try to take in. And you can find out what happens here in a minute. And then I, uh, let me make sure my recorder's working here by the way. Oh, there it is. And then the, uh, uh, out of the back of the Xterra with family and friends around, lots of friends. Um, I switched out of my wetsuit and into um, bike kit, and I threw on an extra long sleeve jersey and um, a skull cap and long finger gloves um, because it was about 50 degrees, maybe 45 degrees. But we had either no wind or a very, very slight tailwind from the lake to my house. So, and I knew I'd warm up and the day would warm up. And oh, we started the swim at daybreak. It was really nice, and it was just the most beautiful bike ride on the way home. It was ah, just wonderful, and just either flat or gentle rolling terrain, and it kept changing and uh, just different stuff, and it just made the time go by. And um, I knew with the polarized training that my legs were like super strong, and it wasn't gonna be that big of a deal. So I'm just pedaling along, just easy, just having a nice time, and we were. In my mind, I was like, man, let's see how this works out for Ultra Baby next year. And the, uh, uh, you know, is this lake swim and then bike uh, from the lake to wherever we do the Ultra Baby bike course uh, for the first day, is this actually feasible? So I'm riding along and I'm like, yes, yes, this is not only feasible, this is freaking great. It's really, really great. Day one of Ultra Baby next year is going to be fantastic. And I was like, this is nice. And uh, Emily did the thing just like in um, Ultraman where she was car crew, she and Kai, and um, they would drive up way ahead of me. And then at an intersection or a turn, they would stop and I'd ride by and wave at them. And then uh, they'd pass me again after a while. And then I'd then wait at the next intersection just to make I got just to make sure I got back to the house. It was like 25 miles from the lake back to my house. And really safe, nice cycling. And um, that was really cool. So I was like, okay, Ultra Baby is definitely with with open water swim is definitely gonna happen. Like this is so great. And then um so then I needed to do three more uh loops on the bike um of about 30 miles each, and uh, maybe like 29, something like that. I have it all measured out. It was right on the dot. In fact, we went, a regular Ironman is 140.6, and we ended up doing 141.1. So it went half a mile longer than an actual, you know, classic Ironman. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> I love that. I make sure that we either do the exact distance or actually just a little bit longer. And then... Um, Let's see, I, uh, all the pictures, yeah, the pictures from the lake were really uh, uh, cool. Oh, so I'm on the bike, and about halfway through the bike, um, I notice that I start having to pee a lot, and um, again, and again, and again, and it's too much, and I'm like, okay, something's wrong, what's going on? And by, with one lap left to go on the bike, I figured out, that what I was doing was I wasn't drinking enough water and also crunched over on the bike, I was kind of holding my belly tight. And if you look at a lot of pictures of pros on the bike, successful pros, 
uh, well, they're mostly, they're su- more successful than age groupers. They, um, a lot of times you can tell that they're belly breathing and they're letting their belly hang down a little bit, not only for breathing, but it lets the food digest correctly. So I think I was holding my gut tight. And since then, I've done a couple bike rides. And for the rest of that ride, um, I've relaxed my gut and um, I could feel the food moving a lot better uh, that way. And then also I started drinking more water and um, sitting up on occasion. Oh, and my power was dropping. And yeah, on the third lap, um, uh, I had weird aches and pains. And I've learned over the years that uh, like your knee hurting and your back hurting and stuff like that is if you're well trained, that's actually a sign that your fuel isn't working. Because um, later on, towards the very very end of the bike ride, I um, I those pains all went away, which is actually counterintuitive because you would think the farther you go, the more the pains would start. But actually, it's a it's a carbohydrate uh, mood thing and. Um, all of a sudden, instead of things being kind of like, uh, you know, then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're having a good time. And uh, with just a little bit left to go on the bike, um, was it 102 miles? I remember looking down at my um, bike computer and going, okay, so how much do I got left? Because I kind of knew pretty much if I thought about it pretty hard, I could um, I could figure it out because it's four laps, you know, and where am I on the lap and stuff. But I was like... Uh, um, where am I? And just look down at the mileage number and it said 102 miles. And it means only 10 miles left. And I felt fantastic. And I thought, I have never, ever, ever in a triathlon, an Ironman triathlon, looked down at my bike computer for the first time to wonder how much is left at 102 miles. It's always been at like 70 miles and then going, oh man, I got a lot, I got you know, like 30 miles plus another 12, what is that, 42 miles left, you know? Or it's been at most like 80 miles or something like that. Never in my life have I looked down and been and, and wondered how much I got left and been just freaking within, you know, 20 minutes or something like that of being done, <laughs> or maybe half an hour. And I was like, wow, holy crap, that's an indicator of really good training. And I, I'm going to keep repeating it during, during the show, the polarized training, man. I was just like, dang, this is great. Even though I was struggling with getting my fuel and my hydration messed up, um, Another, my stomach, my power was dropping and everything. I was having to pee because of um, your fuel's not getting to your body. So your body's trying to dump water to concentrate the fuel that it does have. And that, that's why you pee a lot on the bike um, or on the run during workouts. If all of a sudden you're having to pee all the time, your calories aren't getting to your muscles. And so uh, your body's trying to come up with uh, solutions. And it's apparently a thing that I do a lot. Um, I either I over-calorie and under-drink. So I started uh, uh, drinking more, and um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I um, it was a little bit too late. <laughs> but um, yeah, again, my legs just felt fine, like uh, no problems, no cramping, nothing. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. And it was um, twenty five hundred feet of elevation gain on the bike, so it wasn't flat. You know, it was it was it was rolling, and a couple of of uh, a couple, you know, like maybe 20 
altogether, uh, you know, decent little little risers, hills, barely barely hills, but you know, work to do, and a little bit of wind, kind of here and there. Uh, beautiful day, uh, sunshine, nice, and um, so then I'm on the last stretch on the way home, and I'm at 110 miles. I found I figured out later, and um, all of a sudden I can start feeling the rear the pavement through the rear wheel. And I'm like, what the hell? And I turn back and look and yep, I'm riding on the rim. The, the rear tire's flat. And I'm just like, God dang it. I almost made it all the way back <laughs> to the, to the, um, to the house for, to start the run. And I have a flat tire and I, I'm, I debated for a moment on riding my wheel that far, but, um, it's a, it's a nice rear wheel. I don't want to tear it up. So I'm like, okay. Um, so I, uh, I pull over and I start changing the flat and then I notice that while I'm changing the flat, I'm in a good mood and I'm like, man, that's a sign of good fueling, right? I'm not I'm grumpy, I'm, I'm happy, I'm changing the flat. And another thing is like, you know, I didn't pay $800 for this Ironman so, and hotel and all this other stuff. So uh, um, I have a flat tire, I have a flat tire, you know, I'll just subtract the time off my time and, and I know what I could have done if I didn't have a stupid flat tire. <laughs> And I timed it. It took me uh, 10 minutes to change the flat. It was a rear flat. And so I took the extra time to make sure, um, feel inside the tire to make sure there was, uh, you know, no glass or nails or something like that in there. I think I, it's a, the seal inside the tire went bad. It had gone bad. It had gone flat before. I should have used a new tube. Anyway, the, um, so I put it back on. I get on the bike and I finish the ride home and I'm in a good mood, feeling great and except a little bit weird in my stomach and I change in the house I go inside and I change completely out of my bike kit and into uh, running shorts and a uh, running shirt top um, which felt great <laughs> and then I, I, I put on a bandana I put on a, a running visor and then I tucked a bandana under it so it stuck out from the sides and the back to cover my ears and my face as much as I could in the back of my neck. And then I started the run, and I made a mistake. Um, I need to really not take on any nutrition at all at the beginning of a run um, because immediately I started, I started sipping on a gel and uh, with water, lots of water, but apparently it wasn't enough and I'm not drinking enough water to digest the food I am taking in. And as I run um, over the next uh, three to six miles, I just start feeling worse and worse and worse in my gut. And it's so frustrating because my legs feel fine. I'm like, I could totally run. I could run fine, but um, I'm running out of energy um, because food isn't getting to my, uh, muscles because my stomach is tied up and I ate in total, uh, for the entire marathon, I ate in total like two gels for the entire thing. And I ate them towards the beginning and they weren't going anywhere. So the rest of it was just water. Um, and the more I ran, the more, uh, anytime I put out any kind of extra effort, I felt, uh, I would feel sick to my stomach and almost throw up. And I was like, God dang it. <laughs> I thought I was really on a nice track, probably do about a 10 and a half uh, hour Ironman. If I, uh, if I didn't have any nutrition problems, I was able to run nice. Um, uh, oh, I got a headache on the bike 
because I did put enough caffeine in my bike fuel, so that kind of sucked. And yeah, I put uh, sunscreen on three times on the bike. I'm going through my notes here real quick. And changed into, um, oh, halfway through the bike ride, I took off my long sleeve jersey and put on DeSoto wings, those uh, those ones that go over. Man, those are really, really nice. They work so good. And then um, starting off on the run, when I changed completely out of stuff, I put on DeSoto um, long sleeves. Thank you, sponsor DeSoto. And... Um, Oh, Phil wanted me to mention he is the only double Iron Baby finisher besides me. So he's done two now, and he's throwing down the challenge. <laughs> he's the only one that's done two. Now, Triboomer and Morgan have both done the full as well. Gary's come very close, within a few miles of doing the full. And um, so he's throwing down the challenge down there. That He's the best. So what do you got? So everybody needs to know that. Um, yeah, Shannon is the... Uh, the woman that ran two miles with me. I loved hanging out with her, man. She's got such a great attitude. And uh, the numbers ended up being 141.1 miles. Yeah, 25 feet, 2,500 feet elevation gain on the bike, 700 feet elevation gain on the run, which is a lot. It's actually uh, not flat at all. Um, uh, it's not terrible or anything. It's just, you know, just gentle, kind of rolling. Um, yeah, I got sick on the bike um, started feeling sick and then felt better, like I said, but I didn't feel good enough. And so when I started running, um, yeah, it came back to haunt me. Oh, there was a portion of the run where I slammed a whole bunch of water, I guess. And then I started feeling better again. And I was like, wow, man, my legs came back and I was running a whole lot faster. And I was like, man, we might be on track again. And then it went, it went away. <laughs> I started sick again. Um, and the, uh, Let's see. That's a good indicator that there was a whole lot left in me, but I just, you know, wasn't able to um, lay it out there. So when I finished, um, there's just this nice crowd outside of the house all day um, on the run. The run laps are a lot of fun. You do three miles. There's an aid. We make an aid station on the far side and an aid station at the house on this three mile loop. And uh, yeah, people joining you. And every time you swing by the house, you say hi to everybody, you get a picture, and then take off again. And, um, but again, I was, I was feeling sick. And, uh, after I finished, it had gotten dark maybe for an hour. And, um, when I finished, came down the street and you can see in the photos, if you look really closely, you can tell I'm not feeling good. <laughs> I'm just like, and I was like, how are your legs? I'm like, my legs are fine. I, I got, I'm going to throw up, man. Leave me alone so I can go in the house. I just need to lay down and try to let my food this sugary crap in my stomach digest away so I feel good. And um, I've, I love going back out and whoever's doing the Iron Baby with me, I go out and uh, you know cheer them on and stuff, which I've done several times. And um, I felt really, really bad that this time around, I just felt like crap. And I went inside and laid down. And then when Phil finished later, I uh, he came inside and I sat up on the bed and got... a and then stood up and got some photos with him and then oh yeah and went back and laid down for a while i laid down by the toilet because my stomach felt just so nasty i was worried i was going to throw up um spontaneously and um and that I, that's a big bummer i wanted to be there at the finish line and watch phil finish so i'm sorry phil um and uh let's see so next thing to focus on obviously 
is the uh, hydration to go along with the calories. So I've been doing a lot of research on this because I'm pretty pissed off about it. And um, it's an opportunity to learn. It's obviously because, like I was saying, I'm not sore. I recovered super, super fast, which means I was trained to do it. And so my limiter was nutrition and or hydration. Same, you know, kind of goes hand in hand. And so now it's time to start really focusing in on that. And uh, that's where the biggest improvements are going to be made. So I started doing some research. And I have never, ever done a sweat test. And even looking at the sweat test and how much water you should, you start Googling around, you figure out how much water you need to drink. And um, basically, the common knowledge is that you should be drinking about a quart, <laughs> a quart an hour, and some maybe a quart and a half, um, depending on the person. And it, uh, you should do a sweat rate test, and um, that's where you get on your bike or your treadmill and you weigh yourself naked before you do it, and then you run for an hour, and then you um, weigh yourself again when you're done, and then um, the difference is how much water you sweated out, and the um, then you know about how much water you should drink under those particular conditions, and then it gets hotter, you drink more, and, it drinks, and it's cooler, you drink less, um, but just guesstimating, I am well under what I should be drinking water-wise, and I should be, uh, what we're going to work on, and I've already started doing it, and it's really interesting, is um, uh, learning over the next few months, learning how to drink about a quart per hour of water, no matter what, it seems like, and then more if it's hot, um, and then uh, that will actually help digest the calories that are in my stomach, and then um, then I'll have... Uh, much, much better performance where I don't feel all sick to my stomach. Um, what happens is if you don't drink enough water with the fuel, then the fuel goes bad in your stomach and makes you want to throw up. It goes sour. And um, at the Austin race that I just did, the half Ironman, where I did so well, um, I did well in spite of starting to get sick to my stomach. And I couldn't run very well because of, um, I couldn't run anywhere near what I wanted to because uh, my stomach was all tied up in knots. So uh, there's a little bit, of a, there's the drinking of the lots more water and trying to learn how to do that to digest the fuel. And then there's the, um, the other thing, uh, on the bike, learning how to get that amount of water that you need seems to be, um, a, uh, a learning curve that I need to climb. Um, cause you're talking about grabbing two bottles of water, maybe three bottles of water, um, at every, aid station as you go through on the bike and you got to slow down enough to get it you got to believe in it enough that it's important enough to force yourself to slow down to get it and um, and then that way you'll have it on you and then make yourself drink it in time so that you can keep going um, the day after the race uh, Monday and yeah Monday I had all this leftover beer and pizza that we had delivered. So Monday I already scheduled off a day from work and I uh, woke up and ate the hell out of that beer and pizza. <laughs> it was great. I ate pizza all day and drank beer and, and lots of water and just had a really nice, nice time. Um, we had a little bit of drama, the, the big canopy tent that we had out front. 
uh, for sun for shade that everybody was hanging out under. It blew over in the wind in the early in the morning. We had a, a kind of a little front come through, and then Emily went on this hilarious rampage. To me, it was hilarious of. Uh, on, on uh, text message trying to figure out who down the street uh, broke the tent and then it turned out it was us by not putting it up it blew over in the wind and uh, now the tent's broken and um, but Emily was a private detective Emily trying to figure out who because somebody folded it up and put it on our uh, doorstep and Emily's like whoever did that might have done it and um, the, it turned out the person that did that said they found it like blown over into the street and that's why they put it on our front doorstep and that's what broke in. Um, all right, so Iron Baby, extremely successful. Another Iron Man under the belt, uh, a lot of fun. Wish I went faster, um, but I know exactly why I didn't, and it's fixable, and everything else is right on track. So I'm already registered for Iron Man Texas in the spring, and what I'm going to do is train my hydration up so that I can get in the right amount of calories without it making my stomach sick which will be really cool. And we'll document that over lots of upcoming shows. All right. Next, we have uh, a few people did some races in some other places. They did their own Iron Babies. Uh, Peter Carvelli. I'm trying to remember if he did an Olympic or not, but I think Pete is the one that he raised like $1,000 for March of Dimes by doing his own race in Rhode Island, which was super cool. And... um, that's where we're headed next year uh, when we do the Ultra Baby. If you can't come down to do the Ultra Baby, I'm, I'm going to be talking about it all year. I want you to go out and do your own. Do something cool. And then uh, if you can, do it for charity and get some, instead of paying money to go do a race, earn money for, uh, for your favorite charity. Uh, it works. It works really, really well. And then let's see, Abby in France. Uh, on the border of Switzerland, in the Alps. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, she made a cool blog post about it with some pictures and such. She did. I think she did an Olympic. No, so she biked forty k and then ran ten k. And um, yeah, it was in the Alps. She did this, and big thanks to her. And she donated uh, ten bucks to the March of Dimes as well. So thank you, Abby. I was really inspired by that. That was a really cool story. And Lanny Ralston said, uh, thanks for opening up the online version of the Iron Baby. I have a 10-day work stretch ahead of me, no days off, so I'm going to spread the 140.6 over the course of a few days, that's cool, and sort of make it up as the schedule accommodates. It might not be an exact 2.4, 112, 26.2 split, but I'll do the whole 140.6 and raise money for the animal shelter. uh, This is the one. This is so cool. I guess I'll call it the Iron Puppy. That's really cool. Due to my professional life, I don't post much on social media, so I don't have a link. But I will be out there getting it done in Connecticut. Thanks for the great podcast, Lanny or Lonnie. Ralston, a.k.a. Trilonakai. I like that. That's a good name. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Um. The thing, I didn't raise much money um, for the Iron Baby this year because I got all in the training for the Austin race. And even though I knew and I, I did the minimal amount of training, uh, planning for the Iron Baby, I made sure the course was good, made sure I had at least one person coming to do it with me, and then uh, tweeted about it some, but didn't make it a big deal. Um, so I didn't raise much money for the Iron Baby uh, for charity this much this year. Raised some. 
I haven't added it up yet. It's not a big deal. I'm not that worried about it because uh, Pete <laughs> raised a thousand bucks in Rhode Island. Uh, but next year, this ultra ultra baby is going to be a big big deal. So you can count it third week in October. Um, it's going to be a big deal, and uh, we're going to talk about it almost every episode uh, leading up to it uh, between now and then, so you're going to hear a lot about it. Okay, let's mention another sponsor before we get into questions and donations for the show. Who do we got? Uh, I've mentioned New Republic Brewery, um, the, which is the uh, College Station Brewery. You can get it. I, I call them my gluten sponsor. I'm, I'm not only not uh, gluten intolerant, I'm very gluten tolerant. <laughs> I love my gluten. I got a t-shirt that says I heart carbs. And uh, you can check out New Republic Beer. Um, the uh, One of the co-owners you know, runs marathons and such, and he's big into the Iron Baby. He thinks it's super cool. So you can get New Republic Beer in Houston and in College Station, and they're, they're constantly expanding, and it's really good stuff. Um, so check them out, New Republic Beer. And let's see, we'll get into, well, um, the Iron Baby went off with all kinds of metrics and measurements and everything working great and all the altitude and everything coming from the Sunto Ambit 2 on my wrist worked great, man. It's just an all around killer watch and you definitely ought to check it out. Uh, Sunto, um, yeah, the Ambit 3 just came out. I don't have one yet, but it's got Bluetooth in it. In fact, it's all Bluetooth and it's the, it's the two with all Bluetooth. So it's pretty cool. Um, we'll talk about Amarita here after we do these. Uh, notes and donations and such. So Matt, donation from Matt. Brett, thanks for the email. Um, I'm actually based out of Angola in Africa where I do all my Ironman training. Love your podcast and particularly liking the recent discussion around intensity and interval training. Good, man. It really works. Um, One question though, do you have any advice for someone with a non-swim background trying to train without access to proper swim coaches? Etc. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So this is what you do. You do your swim work almost like you would do track work. The swimming pool is basically a running track. It's essentially the same thing. Um, so what you do is you warm up, go easy for a while, and then do some intervals and uh, make the intervals burn just a little bit. And then while you're recovering between intervals, that's when, and also during warm up, that's when you work on technique and swimming bilateral where you breathe on both sides will kind of clean up your stroke a little bit. Um, don't work too much on glide because you don't want to build too much glide into your stroke. Actually, you want kind of the faster turnover you got, the faster you'll go, kind of like running. You don't see how slow you can run, right? <laughs> With long strides, you just run. So uh, treat your swimming like uh, track workouts for running is actually the, the best way. And how would you get faster at running? You would do a mix of volume and intervals, but um, the time to work on technique and such is uh, is rest is during your easy stuff between intervals, and mix in other swim strokes. Um, that'll teach you balance and the uh, uh, and water comfort. And the number one thing that slows people down is their le- their feet uh, dragging uh, down too far and their toes pointing down. So point your toes back. And try to keep your legs together as much as you can and learn to get your feet up. Uh, you can um, get the pool boy thing, the styrofoam stuff you put between your legs and lift your legs up. And once you get fast at, at that, 
you learn the body position and get comfortable with it and then you just cruise all day and get those shoulders sore every once in a while and you'll end up getting faster okay uh ken soderquist got a donation from him christopher allen julie callahan and il sonia el sonia and owen barwell just so you know i am eating while typing this <laughs> I got a hate mail from somebody recently for eating on the show and I posted it on my blog as like, dude, you're going to send me hate mail. Everybody's going to see it because I've tried not eating, not eating on the show and it's not authentic. Um, I rarely eat on the show in the first place. So I've decided a middle ground is I'll warn you before I eat on the show. Uh, but I'm a triathlete and age grouper and I got a lot of crap going on in my life. So I need to eat every once in a while. And this show is almost every episode I take you with me while I go out training, and while you're out training, you should eat. So we're not going to hide our eating and sanitize everything to pretend like we don't. Okay, so I left a comment on your website on the whole eating, talking thing, and threw a donation your way. I was going to buy a Zentri t-shirt, but figured very little would flow down to you. That's actually true, but do get a Zentri t-shirt, man. It'll help you get into things. I'm serious. Uh, I am 47 and a couple of years new to triathlon. I love your podcast. A big help along the way to Ironman Boulder in August this year. Thank you. I have been entirely focused on building endurance just to survive, but thinking about shorter distances and quicker times for 2015. Yep, I agree. You should totally do that. Uh, so starting to weave in your lessons learned from polarized training, all good stuff. No questions right now. Perhaps I can take a rain check. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, we live in Evergreen, Colorado, so if you uh, have a place... So you have a place to stay if you're ever out this way. I don't know if I've ever been to Evergreen. Sounds pretty. Um, yeah, man, thanks. Uh, I will definitely take you up on that. I tell people before we go on a trip where we're going, and uh, if we ever head that way, uh, let me know. Um, let's see. Melissa J. Boudot. A nice donation from her. Uh, Julie Moody. One thing I want to know is if this is the same Moody as the Moody family here in Texas, um, you are a one lucky Julie. Um, hi, Brett. Just thought I'd follow up on the saddle inquiry from me and your kind suggestions. Oh, yeah, we talked by email. She asked me what kind of saddle she should get. And uh, she says, well, guess what I bought? I tried a Sele Italia X2 and ISM Adama Road Attack and Prologue. Oh, uh, so I told her to go to a bike shop and put just get all these different saddles and ride on the trainer with them, and then uh, keep keep switching them out until you find one that works. Um, because uh, there's so many saddles out there and they're so different that just buying one and hoping it works um, is not the way to do it. What you do is you go to the bike shop and you try on on your bike on a trainer, just tons of them, until you find one that you really like, um, and push the bike shop on it. They should be like totally cool with it, but if they're not. Um, you should be like, come on, you know, I want to buy one from you. I just need to find the right one. <laughs> and if I'm happy on my bike, I'm going to buy more stuff from you. So come on. Um, I have decided on the prologue. I did the Noosa Olympic length triathlon a week ago on the prologue as my first ride. Really dumb. I know. <laughs> and loved it. Uh, having a week off from training to get over my head cold, but looking forward to many, many more rides on the new saddle. Thanks for taking the time to answer my questions. Regards, Julie. Yeah, if you donate to the show, you get free questions answer, answered by email. And um, I would say in triathlon and in cycling, which is 
the biggest portion of triathlon is uh, getting comfortable on the bike, which has most to do with the saddle than anything else, then uh, is your priority. You can get comfortable on the bike. Man, you can get so much faster cycling uh, once you get comfortable. Um, so congratulations, Julie. That's really nice. I, I was fitting a lady. Uh, I've got a trainer, and she brought her bike by. I was fitting her here a few weeks ago on her bike. Um, for free because she's a friend and I told her the bike should feel like an old pair your favorite old pair of jeans it should just be a non-issue you just put them on and it should just be enjoyable I was showing uh, Phil um, he was like man I was getting you know my arms are getting tired towards the end of the ride or whatever it's better than usual but it was still pretty bad and I felt his arm rest and I was like holy crap dude those arm pads they're flattened out they're beat down um, and they're little and I said, man, you need to go with the CGs, dude. Get yourself some freaking CGs. And uh, these are like super thick, uh, really, really nice pads for your, um, you know, the rest of your, the underside of your elbows, your forearms on, and the uh, arrow position on the bike. And I said, it just eats up chip seal and just makes it disappear under you. And he felt it. He was like, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, it's like $30 and it'll, It'll revolutionize your ride. CGs, C E E G E E S. It's unfreaking believable how good they work. And they'll turn you instantly into a long distance bike rider. It's amazing. Um, let's see. Uh, Brett Hoyer sent in a donation. And Jordan Marshall. Oh, we got a good one from him. A nice long email. Uh, Brett, thanks for an awesome podcast. I listened for quite a while, but then got distracted. <laughs> Uh, with work and life. Now I'm back listening regularly and to past shows. Sometimes the training logs get a bit lengthy. They do on purpose uh, with side conversations, but they always contain small tidbits that reinforce what I'm doing or should be doing. I did my first try in 2003, but I didn't, didn't blah, but I didn't do my second until 2009. That's a big gap. Uh, since then, I've been consistently finishing three to six sprint Olympic races each year. Cool, dude. I had open heart surgery almost three years ago at age 31 to replace a congenital defect in my aortic valve. I raced with an artificial heart valve for Iron Heart Racing Team, which was which has the mission of spreading the word about heart health. Heart disease is the number one killer of men and women, but it is easily preventable. Also, heart defects are the number one form of birth defect. Yeah, Kai had a little tiny hole in his heart uh, when he was born. They said they could hear it um, and that he might grow out of it, might not. Um, I only found out about my defect at age 30 because a physician asked about my murmur after, after listening to my heart. In a sport where we push ourselves and our hearts to the limit, I think it is essential for age groupers to ensure that their hearts are healthy and can be put under that kind of strain. Um, yeah, so I've had my heart checked out. I don't have any problems. And the checkout is your insurance probably cover it. It's super cheap um, and worth knowing. Um, so go do it. I've went, I went and did it. Uh, you should too. I'm telling the listeners out there. So right on, Jordan. Um, after a few years of self-coaching, I know I would greatly benefit from a coach. Do you have any advice of selecting between a local or remote coach? Any questions I need to ask myself in order to select a coach? Any questions I should be asking them as I am making a choice? Thanks again for your podcast and all your great advice, Jordan. Yeah. So I've been coached 
and I've looked for coaches too because um, it doesn't matter how good you get. A coach is always nice. If you got the money for a coach, you should get one. Um, and if not, you know, then try to be self-coached or listen to podcasts and things. But um, the thing that it totally depends on the person and what that person needs and how that person's wired as far as like what motivates them and stuff. So, because you have a, you have like your people that like to work out with other people. So let's say you're somebody that likes to train with other people. Well, then you might want a coach that's like a club that has a following, you know, um, with all kinds of athletes and, and, uh, like a cult like, uh, following. If you enjoy that and you enjoy working without working out with other people, that would be perfect, right? Um, let's say that you're kind of a loner, a lone wolf, and you just like to train and being around all these other people and this this uh, group think, you know, and, and everybody having all these T-shirts and stuff with the gear and logos and stuff for your coach. Like that wears on you and <laughs> you're not into that. You're just like, ugh. Then, um, then you might be more into a coach that is um, – uh, you know, specialize one-on-one and helps, helps you. Um, and there's lots of coaches like that too. Um, that, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know how to phrase it, but can support you through that. So I'm a, I'm a coach that I coach lone wolves, like really, really easily people that are busy and they don't have time for a whole bunch of stuff with uh, other people and group workouts and such. They just, they got jobs and they don't have a lot of time and they want uh, to get stuff done. Right. So there's that. So you got to look, you got to figure out what kind of team you want to be on, whether it's a team or like a, an individual coach. And then the next thing is, um, uh, you got to figure out what motivates you. So if, um, I, I know that for a a coach for me would be somebody that, um, I really, really, uh, think is awesome and inspiring, uh, with athletic performance. So let's say, um, Brett Sutton. Uh, so we're going to name some famous coaches here. He's not a triathlete and he hadn't done anything awesome himself in triathlon. So as I know he's, he's really smart with coaching, but he doesn't really inspire me to go out and kill workouts. Right. But let's say, um, I was going to get coached by uh, Hillary Biscay, right? Then I know that an Ultraman world champion is looking at my workouts. So I'm going to try harder to impress her, right? And that, uh, or, oh, oh, um, AJ Balco, right? He's a coach. I'd be like, all right, man, AJ, I'm going to get to talk to AJ, right, with my coaching. That's what you're, that may motivate you, right? Um, But some people aren't like that. Um, and then the other thing you need to know is uh, coaching companies, um, they charge more for you to get coached by the celebrity coach, right? So like AJ's coaching company, um, he's more expensive than the um, than his uh, staff, right? So you got to pay an extra, let's say, 50 bucks a month to be coached directly by AJ or um, Siri. Uh, the famous woman's coach, right? So, um, Dave Scott and Peter Allen and stuff like that. Uh, they're, they're celebrity coaches, but now you're paying for that. But now you get to talk to them one-on-one by phone call and by email. 
So let's say you're into that. Well, that's a, that's another kind of coach you would you would look for. Um, and then there's the whole regular stuff, which is just common sense. You want a coach um, that is trains in a method that uh, you like or you want to try for a while. Um, if you want somebody that's got uh, that will just drive you hard because you know you respond to that, well, then Brett Sutton is that kind of coach, right? If you want somebody that builds in lots of rest because you already go really, really hard and you, um, you're you worried that you need um, more rest and you got work and stuff like that with a rest built in, then uh, you're looking for um, Purple Patch and like me. So, um, and then you need a proven record that they know what they're doing with, uh, let's say you're being coached remotely, then, um, uh, over the internet, then you would look to see, you know, what kind of, I would, I would say training peaks, they use training peaks. And, um, also do you get, I would ask questions like, what kind of feedback do I get from the coach? I look at every single athlete's workout in detail and I, I demand um, uh, comments on their workouts. You can't give me a workout that's just the distance and no comments. I'll start bothering you and going, well, what was it like? You know, and <laughs> how'd you feel? Come on, I need to know because I need to plan out more workouts for you. And the, um, a lot of coaches don't do that. They'll, uh, they just got stock plans that they kind of tweak just a little bit and throw in there and they're not even really looking to see what you got done. They're just keep feeding stuff and just copy and paste it in there. Um, so, but then it's more expensive to have a coach that actually looks at what you're doing and then modifies your training based on how you're performing from the work that's been given. You know, they change it because, uh, um, it's cheaper to go find uh, a coach that'll just give you what you need to do and, um, and if you stayed on track, well, let's say you progress faster or slower or differently than what the plan thinks you're going to, well, then the coach needs to change the plan. And I change mine weekly, for example, based on people's, uh, results or even sooner. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what you're looking for and you should take your time. Um, don't rush into it. And, um, yeah. If you can find one that, that um, doesn't make you pay a whole lot up front, there is a method to that. They make you pay a whole lot up front, like several months, three to six months ahead of time. That way they've got commitment because a lot of people quit and it's a pain in the ass. And if you pay a whole lot of money up front, then you're more likely to succeed all the way through to not to not stop. So, All right. So that's it, I think, for the Iron Baby episode. And I want to mention... Uh, couple other things. We have Amrita. I wore a really cool Amrita kit uh, on the whole bike ride of the uh, of the Iron Baby. And it just looks so awesome, man. And you can get 15% off Amrita stuff with the discount code ZEN, all caps Z-E-N, at AmritaHealthFoods.com. And you spell Amrita, A-M-R-I-T-A, AmritaHealthFoods.com. Um, they do date bars a lot like Lara bars. But it's dates and seeds and, and really, really healthy and like super easy on the stomach. Phil tried one for the first time. I was like, dang, dude, that is really good. Um, I gave him a pineapple chia one. And um, it's my favorite. So you got to check it out. And like uh, these donations and emails and such, um, on the right-hand 
side of the page, no wait, left-hand side of the page, there's a donation link. You can support Zen and Yard of Traflon by setting up a, a recurring donation or giving a one-time donation. Those help the most with the show. Uh, Pure, straight-up donations <laughs> um, really do pay the bills around my house. Triathlon is an expensive habit, and I do everything I can to remember everything that I learn and turn around and give it to you for free on this podcast. Just tons and tons of advice, and if you find that uh, any of it's ever been any help to you, consider giving a donation back to the show. It's fantastic. And uh, I turn right, like I said, I turn right around and use it towards triathlon gear or race registrations and such so I can keep finding out more about triathlon. And like I said, we've got, we're going to start working on hydration, hydration rates and fueling rates and how does upping the hydration improve performance and stuff over the next few months. And I'll tell you everything about how it went So as I'm going along. So you can um, help support the show by doing the PayPal donation link on the left side. Um, the other one is Hornet Juice on the right is hornet juice is a an amino acid mix that you can add to your fuel and it enables fat burning so you got a whole lot more energy this stuff is awesome it comes from japanese hornet saliva <laughs> it's synthetic it's not really the, the japanese hornet spit but it's uh, modeled after it and it's just incredible stuff and it really does work and i get tons of emails all the time from people that are tried it out and are coming back going whoa holy crap this stuff is amazing and um, a big chunk of what you spend on Hornet Juice goes back to me for the podcast I use in the show to pay for bandwidth and, and uh, again, race stuff and gear. And so it's a really great way to support Zen in the Art of Triathlon. And when you get some, you actually get an email from me. I get the email saying that you want some and where you live. And I send a, a handwritten email back to you. Like, hey, how's it going? Were you in um, Noosa or in Wellington or in Sacramento or in, yeah, South Africa, right? And what's up there? How's it going? What's training like there? And uh, then I read your email back on the show. It's really cool. So that's a really cool way to uh, support Zen and Yard Triathlon. That's the Hornet Juice logo link on the right side of the page. And one packet is like last an hour and a half. So it's good stuff. Um, good for recovery too. And I think the last thing I want to mention is I'm going to start getting into productivity coaching because I have found that the one thing that has made me successful in triathlon, I, I do uh, Ironman distance triathlon, triathlon coaching, a podcast, and a full-time job, and I'm a dad with a kid in Cub Scouts, soccer, and triathlon and flag football and i'm happily married and we're having a great life on over here going on over here and i seem to manage to get it all done and i've learned to do it using um, a mix of zen and productivity productivity uh methods that i've learned over the years and i'm uh i'm a very laid back and calm person so I, i'm not hyper or anything like that and I've found over over the years that this is a skill set that um, I was definitely not born with, and I learned it over time. I got a knack for it, but um, I'm always seeking it out, like how to be more productive with less effort. <laughs> and it's a science, and it's a um, there's lots of information over the years that I've gathered on how to do it, 
and especially the Zen stuff really helps out a lot of focusing on getting more done with less effort so that you can actually spend your time doing uh, what you want to do instead of being dragged around. And I've, I'm thinking I want to do a product, start getting into productivity coaching. Um, Cause let's say I went on a talking circuit and wrote a book. It would be how Brett gets all this done while holding down a full-time job and being happy and, um, and yeah, how do you do Ironman triathlons while without losing your job and ruining your marriage, you know, and being happy and not, not wasting all your time and having your family hate you for being gone all the time. So, um, there's, like I'm saying, there's definite, uh, skills, skills and techniques and methods that I've learned that make it work. And um, it's a really wonderful place to be, and I want other people to uh, be there too with me. It's a lot of fun. It's nice, and uh, you can do it too. So if you feel like that you would like some productivity coaching, drop me an email. I'll probably do um, 50 bucks an hour for a phone call, um, as many phone calls as you want, and uh, you know, like an hour-long phone call. And you can do like once a month, uh, once every week, once every couple weeks, and move forward with, uh, I listen to your problems and then tell you how to, um, how to uh, tackle them and really start focusing in on the stuff that actually matters. So I'd be honored to help people uh, get this kind of stuff done. And I think it's the next step in Zen and the Art of Triathlon. So let me know, texafornia at gmail.com, T-E-X-A-F-O-R-N-I-A, texafornia at gmail.com. Let me know, and we can start getting you productive, which is, um, when you think about it, uh, triathlon is the, you know, the most amount of hours of not being productive <laughs> that you can be. And you can, uh, you can learn from doing... The whole point of Zen and Yard Triathlon was learning how to improve yourself by throwing yourself into the sport that really sucks up a lot of your time. And if you can be successful in triathlon and run your life at the same time... I've been doing this for um, 12 years. So, um, yeah, it's just endless. All the different tips and tricks and uh, the the attitude changes and the the nutrition and it's it's not really about triathlon it's about um, it's about everything else so that you can do triathlon is the whole point I think I was trying to say so um, I think that's it I think we've done enough and for me to be productive and go on to the next thing I need to wrap this show up so let me check my notes real quick I don't think there's anything else nope that's it. All right, everybody stay safe out there. Look forward to the next episode. It's been great sharing this adventure with you and telling you how I got it done. So work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out.